Welcome to the next edition of the Recruitment Finance Podcast in association with Azuki Accounts. I am Punamawani, Director at Azuki Accounts, and today we'll be talking about management reporting. I'm joined by Scott Parsons, Founder and Director of Forsyth Barnes, an international search uh, consultancy. So Scott, how are you today? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Albeit a bit hot in the nice weather. Um, so I guess just to kick off, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up setting up Forsyth Barnes. Uh, so I'm Scott Parsons, um, one of two managing partners and founders of Forsyth Barnes. Um, we set FB up um, start of 2016. Um, so the reason for setting up, we wanted a growth focused business um, that was really scalable uh, both Rahil and I had worked for some really good businesses in the past, but we thought that there was there was quite a lot of contentment with being a certain size when we really wanted to go out and build something special um, with FB. Um, we also saw a bit of a gap in the market between the likes of the Shrek search firms and traditional contingent type recruitment. And we thought there's a better way to do that where we can offer a mix of, of retained slash productized offerings um to really capture that kind of in-between search market fantastic and how did you fund it initially uh savings uh mainly so one of the things that we're proudest of uh of the business is that we've completely organically grown the business so um a few of the listings that we've been on recently for award wins most of the other competition on there have had excellent investment or had a lot of money plowed into it um, so we say internally that it's very much a case of our growth is built on the success of the business and the profitability of it. But I think it was Raheel's house buying fund initially and my wedding fund that went into it. Um, but I did manage to, Raheel bought his house and, uh, and I did get married. So we ended up uh, making the business profitable, successful enough to still have those things. Amazing. Um, and what has growth looked like so far and what have you got planned for the future? Uh, it's been a great journey for us so far. Um, so we've grown very quickly over our first four, four and a half years or so. Um, we've got offices now, London, Nottingham, uh, New York, um, that you're, you're well aware of, and also uh, venturing into Germany as well. So things have gone really well for us so far. Um, in terms of plans for the future, we've now got a really good foundation. We've built our management teams internally from promoting a lot of, a lot of consultants from within. Um, to feel like we've now got the right infrastructure, um, the right reporting information to go out and build on what we've done so far and really scale it. Amazing. Um, what do you attribute your huge success down to? Um, a number of things. I'd love to say a magic wand or me or anything like that, but it's definitely <laughs> not. A um, number of things. I think we made some really good hires early, early doors with some really, really good people. Um, trusted them we're completely meritocratic so anybody who we have hired has done a great job who's asked for an opportunity we've given it to them um, and they've really really taken that ownership of, of something and really built something out um, so I think good people and I think hard work I think it gets overlooked I think there's a lot of talk about work-life balance uh, in every sense of the word and somewhat negatively at times um, but you don't get anywhere without a lot of hard work. Um, so we've worked incredibly hard to be able to, to I suppose, achieve a better work-life balance and, and achieve the, the nicer, finer things in life and working really hard. Amazing. Um, how important 
has having good management information and reporting been in making strategic business decisions? Uh, massive. Um, and uh, I suppose for those of you listening for the first time, we use Azuki accounts for um, everything from a finance and an accountancy pr- perspective. Um, great from kind of day-to-day accounting, cash flow management, all the stuff you'd expect. Uh, but I think the real differentiator is that management information. We get a really comprehensive board pack uh, every month that Rahil and I go through, our head of ops goes through, and our non-exec director goes through as well. Um, looks at kind of the different key metrics that are that are in there that aren't always recruitment metrics. They're more a case of proper business financial metrics that a CFO would look at um, to help us make, um, I suppose, more informed decisions when it comes to hiring, more informed decisions when it comes to growth markets compared to shrinking markets. Um, we, we invested in Cube19 quite early on as well from a BI reporting perspective to get real-time live information from our CRM. Um, so we're massively, massively big on, on using data to make better decisions. I love that. <laughs> I always say um, the numbers don't lie. So if you're, if you're making decisions based on the actual numbers and, and what projected numbers are as well, I think you can't go wrong. Yeah, I agree. Um, what were the main triggers that led you to opening up the New York office? And was that decision impacted by Brexit or COVID? Um, Triggers initially, um, I've always loved the US as a place, um, but I think in terms of market size, in terms of market share, um, some of the figures that we were looking at the other day, the UK has got a population of 67 million, the US has got a population of 330 million, and there are half the amount of recruitment consultants out there in the US, which is amazing that there's, I suppose, eight times the opportunity um, when you look at those figures. Um, Salaries are a lot higher, fees are a lot higher. Um, there's a real scope to go out there. Um, not a lot of, of companies are, are offering kind of productized elements. And again, there's a big gap in the market between your traditional search and your contingent offerings um, that we think we'll be able to take advantage of. Um, seen a lot of, of UK-based companies go out to the US and really achieve some really big numbers as well. Um, and then the, the final trigger is mainly around people where I mentioned earlier, we're very meritocratic. We'll always give the right opportunities to the right people. Um, One of our first employees in 2016 actually said in his interview that he'd love to move out to the US and and open an office. And at the time, he only had about six months worth of recruitment experience at the time. Um, But he became a top biller, started managing a team, and now we're backing him um, to go out and and set up the New York office, which he's he's grabbed by both hands and he's doing a brilliant job with. So... um, a number of figures really when it comes to kind of people opportunity and market size um brexit not really affected it to be honest um affected our european offering at the time but um was nothing against when you compare it to covid i suppose um covid's had a, a had a big impact i think setting up an office in new york in 2020 um with hindsight probably wasn't the wisest thing but um, I also think it's it can be the making of it as well, where positive, optimistic mindset, seeking opportunities out rather than just being doom and gloom on the market. Um, it's also enabled us to transition a couple of the, the girls in the UK to the US market. And with the whole working from home thing, they found it really easy to work five hours behind and adjust the time zones. Whereas I don't think that I found that, that kind of shift in working hours as easy if they were coming into the office at, at 12 o'clock and not leaving until kind of 9 10 
Um, so I think it's been quite the making of us there as well. Amazing. I mean, uh, I know I'm a bit biased, but you know, you guys have done phenomenal in, in this time, um, you know, far better than, than others. Um, you've also got a very low uh, churn of staff as well. A lot of the, the people that have been with you, um, you know, clearly love, love the company and love, love being with you because, you know, they're flying, even the numbers that they do have, have been phenomenal. So yeah, you guys are definitely doing something right. Thanks. Um, when you get your board pack out of interest, yes. what specifically do you look at? For example, do you turn to a specific page or a particular key ratio first? Um, I think the way you summarise it, I think the page one's key um, with the crucial figures. Me personally, um, the way Raheel and I kind of split our roles is that he takes care of everything sales-wise and manages all of the divisional managers of divisions uh, and is responsible for the top figure, I suppose. Whereas I'm more responsible for that bottom figure uh, a lot of the time and to look at our strategic direction, marketing, back office, all of that type of thing. Um, the two figures that we look to straight away are the sales productivity per head um, and the cost per head um, of each. And that gives us a good, because we look as a, a scalable business, um, I'm less bothered about the kind of the overall net profit figure. I'm more bothered in the gap between that sales productivity and the, the cost per desk figure because the way that we're building the business at the minute, um, I suppose when we first start with you guys, we were times in that number by 15, 20. We're now times in that number by 30 to 40. And we want to, in a couple of years, we want to be times in it by 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. So that's the key figures for me of making sure that we're not just scaling for the sake of scaling, we're scaling and keeping that profitability per head that we reinvest back into the business for growth. Absolutely. And if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Oh, great question. Um, I would, uh, obvious one, appoint you guys earlier, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I think stick to our values. Like, I think because we grew so quickly very early doors, I think we probably bit off more than we can chew at times. and went against our kind of core values and our core culture um good example things we, we were flying we were doing really well and we got approached about a market opportunity to go into something we'd never covered before um with somebody who seemed amazing on paper um to go and open up a new office in a new market for us and because we were flying and we had money in the bank and the cash flow allowed it we said great and i think there was a bit of um I wouldn't call it arrogance, but I suppose a bit of thinking that we would we get every single thing right that we made a big investment into and didn't properly embed them into the culture, didn't properly embed them into our markets or our marketing, um, and it didn't work, to be honest. Um, whereas the opportunities that have really worked out well for us is investing in existing people. So New York being a good example, um, with Samir going out there. He already knows our culture, he knows our business, he knows the expectations. Um, got complete faith that that, that will work. Um, so I suppose sticking close to what's made it successful so far rather than just trying to be all things to all men. No, amazing advice, thanks. Um, thank you so much, Scott. If people wanted to get in touch with you, how can they? Uh, my pleasure. Um, LinkedIn's probably the best form. Um, I'm on most forms of social media, but I don't really use them as often as I should do. Um, but I am on LinkedIn all of the time. So, yeah, I'm happy to connect with anybody over LinkedIn and 
uh, happy to network about anything. Brilliant, thank you. Um, thanks so much for listening. Remember, if you are interested in finding out more about what we do at Azuki Accounts, please visit our website, azukiaccounts.com, or find us on social media. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you.